as the culmination of our Brahma-vihara practice, this morning and this evening, be talking about equanimity, uh, this deep and, and potent factor of mind. And there's so much to say about equanimity, about it um, as a practice, and then in the broader um, terms of the teachings that I won't be able to cover everything. Hopefully you have some sense of the role of equanimity in practice, because it it has an important role in so many ways. It's a Brahma-vihara, and it's, for good reason, the last Brahma-vihara. And the, I'm taking in that that the intention is that we develop the other three so that the equanimity can really be stable. We need the warmth of the metta, the care of the compassion, the lightness of the mudita for the equanimity to really land, and so that it's not cold, distant, unfeeling, but it's infused by those other qualities. But it's also a wisdom factor. It's uh, central to the teachings on karma, again, so important for the Buddha and his understanding of suffering and the end of suffering. And so as soon as you open that door, there's so much to be said and understood about karma and the role of equanimity. So again, won't be able to to cover all of that, but just hopefully touch in on some of the important functions. Equanimity is in many of the lists describing the development of meditation. Of course, the seven factors of awakening is the classic one, where again, it's the last on the list needing all the other factors to be established and developed and then brought into balance for it to fully function. Preceding factor being concentration. So the mind needing some stability, needing some uh, connection. And then the equanimity, often the kind of springboard, preceding factor to awakening, to insight, to seeing things as they really are. So it has this very important role in the practice and the teachings. And it's also uh, one of the doorways or supports for the awareness practices that we'll be doing. The mind has to have some stability and connection in with what's happening to drop into the subtlety and the spaciousness of the awareness practices. So we'll be talking more about that. This morning I'll be talking about it mainly as a Brahma-vihara, but its um, function as a Brahma-vihara is this deep understanding of karma. The classic phrase, which is listed in your study guide, you don't need to open it, but it's on page five, um, all beings are the owners of their karma. Their happiness and unhappiness depends upon their actions, not upon my wishes for them. And this is always challenging when you've spent days, if not weeks, wishing. Wishing well, wishing ease, wishing happiness. And then equanimity drops a cold bucket of water on all that. 
and says, really, it's each individual and the choices they make really determines their happiness. We can care, we can support, we can love, but it's up to the individual. And the deep balancing that that can bring is so powerful. I think it actually deepens the quality of the metta to truly understand this, to really wish well and know that it's not up to us whether that person is happy or not, makes wise choices or not. And so how to offer that sincere well-wishing without attachment. This is what equanimity teaches us, to, to care without the attached love. And as Guy said in his talk the other night, all of these Brahma-viharas are appropriate responses to the conditions we find ourselves in, to, um, to well-wishing, to if, if someone's someone we care about, when we meet suffering, when we meet happiness. But equanimity is always a value, always an appropriate response. Equanimity isn't cold, distant, or unfeeling. If it was, it wouldn't be true equanimity. Equanimity has to meet the conditions, whatever they are, the joy, the sorrow, the, the complexity of someone's life, our life, It has to meet it fully and find that balance, find the balance of mind. The classic way to begin Brahma-vihara, the Brahma-vihara practice of equanimity is with someone where it's easy. Again, this beautiful instruction that we can take to heart in other aspects of our life. And so that's with the neutral person. So that's where we'll begin this morning. And then, classically, you would go through all of the other people in your list. Because we don't have that much time, um, I'll just offer some suggestions and you can choose to do the practice that best suits you but we might invite perhaps something a little more challenging, not the most challenging, but just to get a sense of this flavor of equanimity. So the classic phrase, as I said, is quite long and involves an understanding of karma. All beings or you are the owner of your karma, heir to your karma. Your happiness and unhappiness depends upon your actions, not upon my wishes for you. I always remember when I first started doing this practice, I felt I was telling the other person that, that they needed to understand that. And then I realized, no, it's not about, it's not like metta where we, or or the other Brahma, where we're wishing something. This is about our own understanding. We're inviting our hearts and minds to come into alignment with this truth. So even as we hold another person, we're really inviting our own hearts and minds into balance around this. And so there are some simple phrases that you may be familiar with. Things are as they are. May I accept things as they are. It's like this right now. I'll put up a list of phrases on the board for you to look at. 
whether I understand it or not, things are unfolding according to a natural law. So again, finding your own phrase that works for you. It's usually just one phrase that just acknowledges this is the nature, this is how things are right now. May I accept that this is how things are for you right now. And then there's two main facets or phases to the equanimity practice, especially when we're doing it for someone else, with someone else. One is that person and their situation and how we can hold that with equanimity. And then the second phase or part is how our own heart and mind is, how we're relating to that. So I'll be inviting us into those two phases of this practice. And if it ever seems too much, too many words, too many ideas, let it drop. Come back into your mindfulness practice, your breath meditation, some metta, whatever is simple. All of these practices also cultivate equanimity as they invite this balanced, non-reactive way of being with experience. So just checking in how the body, mind, heart is right now. Sometimes there can be a a curiosity or interest in developing this practice. Right already there might be resistance. It seems too much, too complicated. Kama is just uh, imponderable, as the Buddha said. How are you right now? How do you breathe with that? However that is, hold that. In that meeting of current moment experience, mindfulness, samasati, brings that kind of balance. It invites us to be with our experience as best we can in a non-reactive way. It's like this right now for me. That's a taste of equanimity right there. Always a helpful place to come back to. Just this sensing, mindful awareness of breath and body, tending to the heart, not wanting anything particular to be happening. Just this touching in, connecting. Maybe there's already equanimity and calm. 
not much going on. The more we know that as a felt experience, the more this quality of equanimity can become accessible, resilient. And then beginning with the neutral person. Hopefully you've chosen one person that you worked with in your metta practice or the other Brahmaviharas, perhaps someone here on the retreat or a staff person, someone from back home. You started off not really knowing this person. Perhaps you knew their name, but that's it. And often after some days of practice, some degree of caring can develop around this neutral person. You don't know much, if anything, about their life. But you do know that they have experienced the eight worldly winds, the vicissitudes, joy and sorrow, pleasure and pain, gain and loss, fame and disrepute. All beings, all human beings experience those. So we can know that about them. They've had their struggles and their successes, hopes and fears. They've got family, some sense of that word, friends, work, home, the whole range of experiences that any human being has. We know this for this person. So you feel into them as best you can, just with this very general sense of the ups and downs that every person has. Even if there's someone on retreat, We all have good days and bad days. An image of them, their name if you know their name. And then offering this phrase of equanimity to them and their situation or about their situation. Again, not that they should know this, but that you recognize this is the truth for them. You are the owner of your actions. Your happiness and unhappiness depends upon your actions, not upon my wishes for you. Or just simply, may I accept that this is how things are for you. It's like this right now. Things are as they are. Some phrase that meets that. This person. And again, it may seem a little artificial. You don't know anything about them. But this is the power of starting where it's easy to get a taste of how to hold someone with a sense of caring. But there's not 
any real attachment, investment. We're just acknowledging this is true. This is the nature of life. May I be with things as they are. Part of the practice is just staying steady with this neutral person. And developing this quality of equanimity in relationship to them. Finding a pace for the phrases so that they have meaning and land. And sometimes the phrases, the words just drop away. If that balance of mind and heart is there, a taste of equanimity, just resting in that. But maintaining this connection with your neutral person. This is what deepens the concentration. And the development of the equanimity. And then taking a moment to connect in with the response in your heart and mind to holding this person with equanimity. Again, it could be fairly simple because there's not a lot of investment. But we're practicing this attunement 
this willingness to turn to our direct experience and invite this quality of balance and stability of mind and heart. Is there a flavor of equanimity? How do you know that? It often comes with other qualities like calm or ease or stillness. May my, may my heart be balanced and at peace with life as it is. And then in the traditional development you would go through your list where it's easier Next in the equanimity practice is usually the benefactor. So again, you can choose. Over the rest of today, you can experiment with the other people that you've practiced with, or this morning can go to the benefactor. Or perhaps choose a person or situation in your life where you would want some more equanimity, not the most difficult or challenging, but just some place where there's some care, concern, a rub. And again, so choosing what feels right for you. could stay with the benefactor or this other situation, person. Whatever you choose, you... Begin the practice as we do by connecting with them, getting a sense of their being and the fullness of their life, the whole range of joys and sorrows this person has. Even if things are difficult, there are still some things that perhaps are going well or bring joy. So in relationship to this person, you offer the phrase, you are the owner of your karma, heir to your karma. Your happiness and unhappiness depends upon your actions, not upon my wishes for you. You breathe with this phrase. See what it invites. Holding this person and knowing all beings have their journey. This is your journey. Again, not getting lost in the stories and the memories, 
but seeing can we invite the mind and heart to hold it all. And say about equanimity, resting the heart before it falls into extremes. Is this balance, spaciousness, even as this deep truth is acknowledged. No matter how much I may wish for things to be otherwise, they are as they are. We're practicing equanimity. This is not a time for action or fixing things. Just seeing, can we hold this person in all the complexity of their life with this balanced, open heart? And breathe with them. Breathe with this phrase, may I accept that things are as they are. And sometimes the words drop away. You can stay with the intention to rest the heart-mind before it falls into extremes. Just holding the intention of this truth, this wisdom. I can care for you, but I can't make your choices for you. Often the biggest support or gift we can give someone is our own balanced, caring response.
And then turning back to hold your own heart. You've been holding this other person in their situation, cultivating balance, acceptance. What is that response in you? Is there acceptance, openness? Or does the heart move back and forth? Some resistance or fear, wanting, wanting things to be different other than they are. Just dropping into your own heart and holding yourself in equanimity. May my heart be big enough to hold the joys and sorrows without being overwhelmed. We practice attending to our heart's response to the difficulty or challenge of another or a situation. Breathing with the phrase inviting this responsive but calm, wise heart. May my mind be balanced and at peace with life as it is. How are we responding to this challenge, this difficulty, the situation that's external, someone else, some situation? Attending to our own hearts with kindness, care, but breathing in this quality of equanimity, of openness, acceptance, wisdom. Things are as they are. And again, if the words drop away, allowing yourself to just rest in this intention, a balanced mind and heart, open to the truth of things. This is how things are right now. But not pushing away or holding on to any aspect of our inner or outer experience. It's like this attending mindfully with metta to this heart, this mind, this body.
and ending this period by bringing together perhaps the neutral person and whoever you practiced with, the benefactor or this more challenging person or situation, and wishing them well, offering the phrases of metta. Equanimity doesn't mean not caring. Metta is supported by the balance of mind and heart. May you be safe, holding them both in your heart. May you be happy, healthy and at ease. Perhaps even saying, may we, the three of you, we're directing it to one person in particular. May you be safe and protected from all harm. A sense of caring. That's the heart of the Brahma Viharas. May we be well. Happy, peaceful. Is caring without attachment, unconditional caring, balanced, (coughs) steady, open. And then expanding to include all beings. May all beings be safe. All beings be happy. May all beings be healthy and at ease. So I think even more than the other Brahma-viharas, equanimity can seem complex, a lot to hold with its wisdom aspect and the karma aspect and the balancing aspect. So certainly in a guided meditation it can seem complicated. So the invitation is really just to use it as would support you Like the other Brahma-viharas, it can be a skillful response if the mind is getting really caught in a situation, caught in a challenge, either internal or external, to invite some phrases of the equanimity can be really helpful. But for some people, it's, it's, you know, the most important Brahma-vihara or helps them actually bring that sense of calm, and spaciousness that we were cultivating with the breath meditation and will certainly do in the coming days with the awareness and emptiness practices. So again, see what feels right for you. 
it could be valuable to do another formal practice period where you just go through go through the practice in your own rhythm, um, starting where it's easy and then seeing, is it helpful to bring in perhaps something that's a little more challenging? And of course, if it, you find it's destabilizing, always fine to come back to where it's easy, to find balance. But trusting this intention of being able to hold, uh, resting in the middle, resting before the heart falls into extremes. I I actually teach a whole week of equanimity practice with our dear friend and colleague Kamala Masters. And she always uses this phrase, seeing the world with quiet eyes. And I love that. It's, it's, It's a way of and I think when we observe nature or in nature, again, just that we're receptive, we're connected, but we're not grasping at it, hopefully, too much. So seeing the world with quiet eyes, and it means a quiet heart, a quiet mind. And so just letting that drop in, again, as it's supportive for you and your practice, not making it too complicated, but hopefully getting a sense energetically of how the equanimity weaves into and supports the other Brahma-viharas and vice versa. These are energetic responses of mind and heart. This one, because it has so much wisdom in it, can have its challenge. But the more we just settle with the basic truth, and the simple version is things are as they are. As much as I might wish for it to be otherwise, things are as they are. How do we hold that wisdom and still care? This is the, the practice of the equanimity. So again, you could include it in a walking period. There's something about you know, being out in the, the beauty and the delight of the day. It's always another beautiful day in Massachusetts, just like it was yesterday. Um, But just to explore, what invites your heart into this kind of steadiness where it's not denial, resistance, pushing away, it's not holding on, trying to make something feel a certain way. It's this, again, resilient, malleable, flexible quality of heart and mind. And again, I'll give a, a, a whole Uh, The Dhamma talk this evening will be on the different facets of equanimity in the practice and the teachings. Okay, so any questions this morning? Yeah, Roger. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.